Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and we meet Elissa Stansel Levine, an artist who grew up in Northern California and was immersed in and loved nature. She uses the same nature to inspire the beautiful fabrics and finishes she uses in her decors. Elissa is also a writer who joins us to share some insights into her new book, a memoir, This or Something Better, A Memoir of Resilience. Good morning, Elissa Stansel Levine. I really appreciate your joining us today to share some insights into your life and your work in your new book, A Memoir, This or Something Better. So a memoir means a lot of pulling back the curtains and opening some long-ago locked trunks. So thank you for letting us share this particular journey with you. Yeah, it's interesting. I was right before the pub date, right? All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, people are going to know all these things about me. <laughs> like, well, where, where did I miss that part? Um, so I felt really vulnerable, of course. But that's because you just don't know what people will gain. And if there is, you won't know if there's a purpose until, you know, that you release it. So it's turned out to be really wonderful. I find it super fulfilling that people, so many people really wanted to find and connect with their hopes for safety and freedom. And this is sort of my theme, you know, from the tiniest time that, you know, everybody wants it and, you know, maybe we could have it and how will we get it? So I'm just like trying to work this out with a little number two pencil from the time <laughs> I was like five years old. You know, that's why I thought I would share it. I didn't think I was alone in that. And exactly. I think it's so easy to look out at the world and think, oh, everyone else has this like perfect existence. Everything is just perfect Pollyanna and I'm the only one. And that's why I think being honest and sharing really has a way of healing each of us in different ways because there's something that resonates. Yeah, it was very interesting and had to be sensitively done where there were things that, of course, other people might have experienced. I wanted to try to wordsmith it so that it wasn't triggering. I mean, I tried to be sensitive to that because the wry kind of, of course, my prayer to the Virgin Mary came true, the help of my 17-year-old boyfriend, you know, to get <laughs> pregnant. You know, those kinds of things I don't think are triggering, but, you know, the other deep loss and that kind of thing. It was really good. I had a great working uh, group of writer friends who worked through everything with me. And really, this was a 10-year effort, not because I was writing every day, but because I had to take breaks. I mean, I really did. So Breaks because you just need time away to maybe comfort yourself or pamper yourself because of the harsh parts of life that you've touched on. Yes, and it breaks really that had to do with coming to terms with what the purpose of the book was. Because it was distant, I could talk about the first 15 or 20 years, and it, it seemed comforting and, and real and, and acceptable. And I could talk about the most recent 20 years where everything is great, okay? But what about the super messy part, Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to write that. And so my first two drafts, those, that, those 20 years were not in there. Okay, no. And this graduate-level creative writing course at the university, um, one of those people said, you know, I just don't get it. Where's the second act? Where's the messy part? And I'm like, oh, I guess I really can't get away with just ignoring that, right? <laughs> and so then I really, it took maybe 
a year to grapple with what would be important. Then, and then maybe several, you know, sessions of writing for a month or two to get it out there. You know, business laws, all kinds of other things. And there were pieces of the story that I ultimately took out because you can only, you don't need to take people through all these other things. You know, so even then, the big question was: Is this too much to ask somebody to bear with? You know. It's not that it's that horrible. Many people have lost parents and lost a child and been attacked and strangled and had bad relatives. Okay. So, but all of that is a lot. It is. And yes, I think to actually see it in front of you in words rather than just kind of somewhere in the back of your mind or buried somewhere inside, you can manage or not pay attention to it. But yes, to see it right there in black and white, essentially, would have to be a lot to grapple with. And do I want to go any further? Does this list have to be any longer? Well, and you see how the work sort of moves in and out of time. That's to give myself and the reader a chance to realign. Mm. And then it also, there's another thing that happens with every writer. I think that you do have your, you know, little darlings, your favorite things, these images that you always thought were so great or these little portions of the story that seem key. But then they just sort of, some of them have to go, you know. Mm-hmm. They're really not that important. And I think even if you're writing an essay and you have three weeks to get it done, you know, the last three hours you realize maybe that it's backwards and you have to revise <laughs> it, right? So... Um, that's what happened with me with the fire, you know, because the fire happened after the main part of the memoir was already written. And then there was just so much learning that came from that fire that and my whole, like I said, it burned a hole in my nature girl story. Right. Mm. And it really faced that, that there's work to do. And, you know, this is something better. The whole idea, again, it's just like, yes, I've had this and I've had all this success as well as all these deep life lessons. But, you know, in fact, on top of it, I have not even tapped into my connection with humans. And so I have maybe, hey, I have 20 years to live and I can continue with the learning and the joy and the wonder and the curiosity and the courage it takes to allow people deeper into my life, more engagement, right? Yes. So I think everyone can kind of identify with the fact that, you know, no one really, I don't know that people really want to be done, right? I mean, I'm 72. I don't really want anybody to tell me I'm done. And I don't want to tell myself I'm done either. So this is the way that works. And my next book is cool because I don't have to handle all this trauma because uh, I can refer to it by telling people to read the first book. (laughs) (laughs) Which, actually, what is the first book? So this, uh, This or Something Better is my memoir. It's actually my second book that I wrote, but it's, uh, it's a, my, the only book about my life to date, and it's a memoir of resilience. It's really the story of the making of a maker and how I made my way. So I have to say, pardon me, I was interpreting that incorrectly because I was thinking, oh, there was a previous book. But no, you're referring to writing another book. This is going to be, yeah. go read the first book. <laughs> yes. Yeah so, yeah, so the second book, the new book, um, is, is tentatively called Notes from the Studio. And it's really about the whole creative process, and it will touch on all kinds of other things, including nature and, and, and human interactions and interesting situations with my clients. And But more than any, uh, it's really about, you know, intuition and prayer and uh, faith in yourself. And 
you know, seeking help when you need it, that kind of thing, which is part of every studio that I've ever been in, all the artists that I know, and including musicians and, and uh, writers, et cetera. You know, as I say, if it's, a, if it's a studio, there will be tears. Okay, I'm not just saying it's a bad thing. There could be tears of joy. There could be tears of frustration. There could be tears of woe, okay? Because uh, everyone, no matter how educated, is to some degree reinventing the information that they have to, to transmit it to paper, to color, to paint, to whatever, right? And in that transmission, this, is, this whole process is just an amazing opportunity to be grateful and connect either with the history of that idea or with the possibilities of that idea. It just goes on and on. So it's like a kaleidoscope. And clearly I have a lot to say about it. So <laughs> I have to write that thing. And I do have to say, the art is just incredible. I went through some of the pictures on your website and Oh, it's just breathtaking, the work that you do, that the studio does, and that is wonderful that you started and your son is continuing with the business. Yes, and my granddaughter is now 28 as of yesterday, and she is uh, graduated from the Art Institute in San Francisco and is in the company. You know, and some of the people that worked with me for many years are still in the company, and then there's new people training in. And what's interesting about that website is that the only thing that can be published on the website are things that may have already been published. We have so much work that will never be published because of the sort of rarefied stratum of the society that the clients live in. They would never have that be publicly shown in any way. So in many cases, we weren't allowed to even take photographs of our own work. So I'm glad you liked what you saw. <laughs> and that's, you know, uh, but the super, super stuff is not for public view. Mm, what a shame. I know. And especially when you say it's so much greater than what I see. And, and I thought so much of that was just, you know, jaw-dropping that it's so gorgeous. Well, enjoy what we can see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I'm just thinking about this because I mentor uh, some young people um, and they're trying to thinking about different kinds of work in the trades. And the next mentoring session is going to be a group of women and so I am able to show them a few things that would never be publicized that are, you know, just like columns that look like they're all inlaid mosaic from Turkey. There's, I think there was 12 various really incredible columns and the patterning of the ceiling and all the, all the wood elements or wood grain to look like this rich chestnut and, you know, on and on. So these are the kinds of things that I can show only like to students. You know, so I do get some permission, you know, but I just remember the first time I went to Europe thinking that I knew about this whole uh, career from things that I had taught myself, buying houses and restoring them and then learning about paint and then practicing and then figuring things out and then, you know, just inventing some stuff. And then when I went to Europe, I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is so like so much more uh, than what I thought. And there's so so little that I do know. So it was very humbling and, um, you know, very fascinating. But it just made me more in encouraged. Uh, you know, that's truly the thing about it. It seems like a never-ending opportunity because people either want something they've never seen or that no one's ever done or that someone else has done that you don't really have good access to or, you know, it goes on and on. So you're just 
it's, it's a never-ending challenge, which I love. Well, and I think that makes so much sense, going back to what you said earlier about nobody's going to tell me that I'm done yet. You know, I'm not yeah. done. There's so much more to be able to write about, to to paint, to create. And and so it, that's what you're sharing right now and that you're experiencing. So I, I think as long as we are taking a breath, make it a deep breath, uh, we are still here to learn and share and grow and, and, and create. Yes, you know, this is one of the things I did notice as I aged and I would bring up to other women who might be listening, um, you know, that you just have to, sometimes I realized I had to stop and ask myself, where is the wonder? You know, even um, during this whole thing with the uh, pandemic and then really relying on my long hikes for the the chance for me to kind of regenerate myself, um, then I noticed that I'd gotten to this state where I was just saying, oh, well, that's a fern. Well, that's it. Just this confirmation of what I already know seemed to be what I was doing when I was on my hike, which is not the point, right, for me. Really, the point is to be open and and feel wonder and and interconnection. So this tendency, I started to wonder, is this part of aging? Is this just sort of so we can find our spot and feel a sense of agency? This I know, and this I know, and this is this plant, and this is this type of oak, and this is the acorn, you know, this doesn't seem to engender, you know, joy and Mm. wonder. And so I kind of keep an eye open for that because it'll tell me something, you know, and just recently I realized that the idea of learning new things is great, but sometimes too much new things at one time um, in the midst of an ongoing situation like our social societal situation right now it's just a little too much so i've switched and made a boundary around my um, social media uh, email all those electronic uh, interactions so i can do that after let's say 11 30 so that i can meditate i can do i can work out i can have my own time with no need to respond to anything until i've had my own time in the morning and this is really helpful. That to me sounds like wisdom. Yeah, I, th- I hope it is. I mean, so I was trying to say to myself, "Who am I now?" You know, I am. I'm an author. I'm an artist. You know, I would hope to say that I have some wisdom, um, and yet I'm feeling really overburdened, confused, and not grounded. You know, what shall I do? And uh, so the first thing I did was meditate on that. And um, then I did just go out and stand, and it hurt my feet, on some leaves and, and acorns and stuff, and too, you know, barefooted. And I'm like, yes, I am older. My feet are much more tender. <laughs> I'm trying to ground myself. And then I did, you know, I just had an extra cup of coffee. Okay, well, woo, that's so exciting. You know, but always just walking by my phone, walking by my computer, not going there. And I did not miss it, my friend, and I can tell you, you know, it's worth a try. Yes, a a very concerted, important try, because it it can, as you say, there's just too much of that going on. And is that what we want to fill our life, or or as you're doing, or as we will find for our own selves, you know, the things that really energize us, that give us life? Yeah, the mojo. Mm. I gotta have 
you know, sometimes and I thought when we first moved here, like t- almost 20 years ago, that, uh, you know, I would just be out jumping around because we have the, a lot of enough land. I can have the music as loud as I want. And I could be thrashing around in the woods and jumping up and down and screaming even, and no one would know. And that would be really fun. But I just don't feel like doing that. <laughs> I feel it's all fine. You know, I'm happy. And, um, you know, uh, I guess I don't feel the need to be that kind of expressive. You know, even though I have the permission, but from the space. Um, but we have these, so many animals here, those deer, coyote, uh, mountain lions, bears, um, you know, the ground squirrels, birds. There's a bird looking at me right now in my window. Um, they're just, you know, I don't need to get them all alarmed with my freedom to express, right? Right. Um, you know, so I'm just sort of, it's interesting how your space changes you. And, uh and then, you know, so then I say, okay, am I doing the things that I would like to do or am I just kind of regressing or, or re- repressing? So I made myself do some things like um, I have these beautiful three rocks out on the patio and they're buried into the patio and they're at different heights. And I, and I used to could just jump on any one of those anytime I wanted. And now I notice I haven't been doing that. Why would that be? I think I'm afraid that I can't do it or something. So now that's the reason I must do it. You know, it's not I just do this lowest one, just jump up there and then you feel all happy. Yay. I'm still, free, you know, free and alive. And, you know, it's akin to being doing parkour or something, um, you know, doing crazy um, balance and stuff and crazy jumps and things when you just barely jump <laughs> And it takes the time, as you were saying, too, in terms of all the social media, it takes time away from that to spend with self, to really ask the questions and, and stay with it long enough to allow for answers to come. And, and it's not like, okay, I, I gave that 10 minutes, so uh, this is what I know and, and go forward. It, it, it's perhaps a daily practice, as meditation is. Yes. I mean, there it's true. It's like... I just recently read something where it was said, you know, everybody knows they need sleep. And they, they think it's very important to sleep, but people have over, maybe overlooking the importance of rest and resting in your own, with your own thoughts. And not that you're supposed to be having big thoughts or something, but, you know, remember those used to just sit and look and, you know, let the sand drift through your hands when you're sitting on the beach and just dream on, you know, where's that going? You know, where's that gone? It's gone. I've gone for, I've seen it for myself, just scrolling, you know, for nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. So I would much rather take a time and sort of embody that idea of the essence of life and being present. And that doesn't mean I'm like this all this flawless person. That is not the story at all. People will let you know that it's not the story. That's okay. Well, you know, I'm working the problem. <laughs> Well, and it's a good thing, and maybe it's when we stand at this side of our life as opposed to, you know, being a teenager and looking out toward, oh, you know, what will that hold? But being able to see that there still is more, as you said, I'm not done yet. 
but being able to just allow for more to keep happening and appreciating it rather than being dictated to by all the multimedia voices saying what you should look like and how you should be doing something. Yeah. I think that comparative reality is, you know, a very difficult situation for everyone at different times. And sadly, you know, the more anxious you are, the more that comparative reality can come in and haunt you, you know. And comparing yourself to someone else doesn't make you less, better, more. Who has the means, the time, or the wherewithal to assemble everything they would need to be like someone that they're totally thinking is outshining them? You know, my question always is, if I feel outshined, what is it about them that I wish I could embody? I mean, I have just wonderful uh, working relationships with incredibly talented and powerful women. And they're all different. You know, some of them are powerful and very direct. And some of them are powerful and very relaxed and type B. They're usually also late in all the meetings. <laughs> but, you know, that they're the ones I'm like, oh, okay, that's a different way. I could try to emulate that. A little softness, a little more dove, a little less tiger, right? <laughs> so this book, This or Something Better, a Memoir of Resilience, opens with, and this initially caught my attention, the fires in Northern California, that mm-hmm. now it's almost five years ago that this took place. But it caught my attention because I I do listen to the news where there are these fires all over the country. And to have the opportunity to speak to someone who's actually lived through this, has this resilience then to write a book and what that has meant to you, you are back in the same area. You've rebuilt. We did not lose anything. Oh, that's right. interesting because a number of people have said, oh, you know, I thought it was a story about that fire. No, it's a story about what the fire made me realize. And the power of nature and how even in in the case of devastation and loss, there are benefits to the power of nature, not just for me, but for all kinds of people. So what happened in the very beginning first chapter is just showing that I made all these decisions based on how smart I am and, you know, ran down the mountain with my husband because it was midnight, this huge cauldron of fire across the valley. And the smoke, though, was so tremendously strong. I said, something is not right about this fire. This is much more than we can deal with. We need to leave. So we would go, in our minds, just quickly down to the fire station where they would tell us what to do. Well, it's only a mile and a half to the fire station, but there was no one there. No one. It was empty. It was abandoned. And then as we turned around, already people were beginning to gather at this little sort of a pinch point on our little road, and they were crying. And it turns out that the, there were three or four fires that very same moment. And there was a huge fire raging up the mountain from uh, where we were. So we had to leave. But yet, I just want to say that the learning came many days later where I realized that I had the opportunity to at least honk my horn as I was driving down the mountain. You know, I could have tried to call a few people, but I wasn't even thinking in those terms. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to find out what was going on. And then I would decide what to do. And... That's all very well and good. I mean, naturally, it's an instinct, and that's okay. But in my case, something that haunted me from the time I was really little is that my grandmother, I don't know if you read this part, but she would scrub me in the sink and call me a murderer when I was tiny. So, first of all, no one died on our road. Seven houses did burn to the ground in what seemed to be a matter of minutes, according to the witnesses of it. 
and five wonderful, very stalwart vineyard and landowners up on the top of the mountain stayed through the whole three-week situation and put out every ember that came and saved the top of the mountain. So these are what this is what I would have thought would be me. You know, this is what I would do because I never wanted to be a murderer. I never wanted to be someone who wasn't taking care of others. I just thought I was all that. But look, I was not, Kate. I was not all that. Mm. And so what is this gap? What is this you know, characteristic that what's missing and how would I fix that? And where did it come from, this gap where I don't trust people and I don't engage beyond pretty much transactional terms? So this was the point. I laced the fire and the recovery of the fire through the memoir to exemplify this missing piece and how our search for completion, for belonging, for freedom, for safety, you know, it's really an overlay of what you're doing based on your belief system from when you're so tiny, right? And sometimes we need to really review the belief system and give a lot of forgiveness to everything, yourself and everything beyond that, right? Right. Which then, when I look at situations uh, that either happen to me or, or I observe, a question arises, well, why is this? What's the meaning here? And this is what the book, This or Something Better, is exploring. Like, what happened as a result of this horrific event? It, it really did yeah. cause you to delve deeper and find those answers. Yes, and it's with a new question, you know, instead of just knowing you're going to write about it. Like, I was eight, and I thought, well, I better write about all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I always planned to. <laughs> Well, that's fine. But you know, I was only eight, so I didn't have the same, you know, perspective. And certainly when I prior to fire I didn't have that perspective. So it's really cool. Many of us have been lucky enough to live long enough to become friends with, you know, an estranged parent or to you know, there's just all these things that can happen if you're lucky enough to live long enough, right? Right. Yes. So. And so then it comes back to, yes, the second act and what we do with our life. And every year, every decade is important and, and to embrace it and be grateful for it. Yes, it was interesting because another woman you were interviewing was talking about the way that we are able to pull change into our lives. Even though we might, you know, annoyed, angry, afraid at 20, we feel like we have plenty of time to get it right, you mm-hmm. know, generally. And that's different than as you get up into the late 60s and further, because mortality is a real thing and it certainly becomes more evident all around you. And I think the grieving process or the mournfulness that I have about getting older isn't about dying, okay? Because dying is okay with me. But between now and dying, the unknown, and how I can do my best to be um, present, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And to make the best of it and to do it, this is the part that gets me, is to do it in as healthy a state as I possibly can be. Yeah, that was me today, like doing my little workout. (laughs) Loving it, you know, instead of like saying, well, you know, I used to be able to do this. You know, yeah, I'm doing this today. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, life is wonderful, really, right? Such a so many lessons. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, I do appreciate you, Elisa. We should mention your website, though, because I mentioned looking at the beautiful art, but also to get more information about you and information about the book as well. Yes. com, 
and that shows essays I've written, things that have been published, my other podcast, my book, all about the book, and links to Stancil Studios, which is the company. So there is StancilStudios.com, which is also just focuses on the creative um, decorative art that we've done all over the world. So love people to just look at those anytime. If anybody wants to write to me, send a note, I will definitely write right back. Well, that's a wonderful offer as well, Elisa. The book, it really is very insightful. And as I think was your goal is, what will we learn? What will the reader get from it? It may help us to experience some healing in areas that we maybe haven't looked at yet. Yes, or even to know that others, I'm sure many people have gone through this work that they needed to go through, but it is sometimes nice to have fellowship and see how it came out for other people, because how we heal ourselves and what great gifts we get from other people around us are part of the whole story. There could be just a little offhand comment that can change your whole direction in your life under dire circumstances like happened in my book. And I really think people could benefit if they read it and enjoy it. I hope they find value. Absolutely. Well, I believe that it is there. And I am so grateful that you did follow your heart, follow the path of doing the writing and wish you much success for the next book. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for the interview. I love it. And that brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Elissa Stancil Levine and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Ronald Alexander. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of healing and creativity and finding they blend together. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 1069. Good morning. Good morning.